listening to the Prevailing Word podcast channel and also on our Prevailing Word Live YouTube channel. I'm Pastor Fred Rochester. Thanks for listening. Let's get right into the message. The book of Deuteronomy, the eighth chapter, beginning at verse one. Obedience, the missing link. Remember every commandment which I command you today, you must be careful to observe that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land of which the Lord swore to your fathers. And you shall remember that the Lord your God led you all the way these 40 years in the wilderness to humble you and test you, to know what is or what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. So he humbled you, allowed you to hunger, and fed you with manna which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man shall not live by bread alone, but, by every, but man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. Your garments shall not wear out on you, nor did your foot swell these forty years. You should know in your heart that as a man chastens his son, so the Lord your God chastens you. Therefore you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God to walk in his ways and to fear him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land of brooks, of water, of fountains and springs that flow out of the valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley and vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of olive oil and honey, a land in which you will eat bread without scarcity, in which you will lack nothing, a land whose stones are iron and out of whose hills you can dig copper. When you have eaten and are full, then you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land which he has given you. Beware that you do not forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments, his judgments, and his statutes, which I command you today, lest when you have eaten and are full, and have, been, and have built beautiful houses and dwell in them. And when your herds and your flocks multiply and your silver and your gold are multiplied and all that you have is multiplied when your heart is lifted up and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage who led you through that great and terrible wilderness in which were fiery serpents and scorpions and thirst and thirsty land where there was no water who brought water out uh, who brought water for you out of the flinty rock who fed you in the wilderness and manna and manna which your fathers did not know that he might humble you and that he might test you to do good in the end. That you say in your heart, my power and my might and, and the might of my hand have gained me this wealth. And you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he 
who gives you power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which, we, which he swore to your fathers as it is this day. Then it shall be if you go by any means that, excuse me, if you by any means forget the, the Lord your God and follow other gods and serve them and worship them and testify, uh, I testify against you this day that you shall surely perish as the nations which the Lord destroys before you. So you shall perish because you would not be obedient to the voice of the Lord your God. Through the years, we have been teaching some of these scriptures as if we were the children of Israel, and certainly we're not. Uh, I like what Paul said, uh, believe in 1 Corinthians 10, that these were written for our example, for our admonition, for our, our example. Um, these things that we see in the Old Testament are an example to us. Because if it is an example to us, certain, uh, shouldn't we be paying attention uh, to these things? Paul said it like this in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 6, Now these things became our examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. Verse 1 starts off like this. You might as well read the whole passage just to see what Paul is fully saying. Moreover, brethren, if you want to turn there, you can do that in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 1. Moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware that all our fathers were under the cloud, all passed through the sea, all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea, all ate the same spiritual food. And all drank the same spiritual drink, verse 4. For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. But with most of them God was not well pleased, because their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Obviously, this is the wilderness of sin, which for 40 years they were destroyed, because they did not believe the Lord, but also that they didn't walk in obedience. But with most of them, God was not well pleased for their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. And then again, verse six, now these things became our examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. Going back to Deuteronomy, the eighth chapter, we see that the Lord gave the children of Israel commandments. Uh, over the years, um, when we were first introduced to Word of Faith, um, that's all we, we pretty much studied and preached. Faith, 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 faith. Um, but we never taught ex, uh, Con, uh, conclusively and we never comprehensively talked about obedience we left that out because you know faith was, was what, what people wanted to hear and so everyone joined the bandwagon myself included we all talked about 
faith, 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 all the time, but we never talked about obedience. Uh, because there was an assumption that people would instinctively and intuitively obey his word. But we never really honed in on why the children of Israel uh, ended up in such a mess in the time that they came out of the promised land. But faith would be enough. Evidently, uh, we were uh, we were misguided. I mean, I do have to admit that we were just young folk chasing after the greatest, the 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 latest fad that was out there on the preaching circuit, and we wanted to copy them, we wanted to mimic them, we wanted to do everything like them because they showed some semblance of success that perhaps was lacking in the local churches where, in denominational churches where we were. And, and so we, we were duped into thinking that there's got to be more than what we're getting. And we started chasing after these things. I mean, just because you have a foundation in the scripture and you start chasing after doesn't mean that you're going to stay with the foundation. For some, not for all, but for some. And then we wonder why certain things aren't working the way that it should be working. But, and we go back into our notes on faith and try to see what points we may have missed. And then we would say, oh, that's what I missed. And then we would start all over again. And it still wouldn't work. How many have ever had um, a an electronic device. And you open up the, you first bought it, you bought the electronic device, you, you were excited, but you didn't even read the instructions. Because you, you knew, you knew how. All you had to do is press the power button. And, 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 and it just didn't work out so well. And, and it forced you to go back to the instructions, or to go to the, for the instructions initially, because you never opened them up to begin with. You just went straight to it. Oh, it's straightforward. I mean, you know, I, I have, a, I, and, and, it's, and, and men, as opposed to women, are, new, are notorious for this. Um, you get in, you're excited about getting the product, you open it up, and you put the instructions on the side. And then certain things are not working and you're not familiar with the lights and the, and the bells and whistles. And it forces you to go back to the instruction manual. And you go back to the instruction manual and you begin to see, hey, I missed that. And so you, 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 you start doing it the right way and it starts working for you. The Bible is the same way. We go, back, we go back through the scriptures 
because evidently there was some form of instruction that we missed that it didn't work. So all of us, we were just strung out on faith. We were intoxicated on faith, on faith, the authority of the believer and, and, and all that. And, and, and all of a sudden we find that it isn't working the way that we thought it would work. And some of us would get despondent, disillusioned, wondering what happened. And then all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit sits, sits you down and begins to teach you from the beginning exactly what you missed. Verse 1 in uh, Deuteronomy 8, every commandment which I command you today, you must be careful to observe. <laughs> the biggest chapter in the Bible is, is Psalm 119. You kind of figure that God put, put an emphasis on what's more important. And he did. He did it here and also in Psalm 119. Uh, he puts an emphasis on his word, but here we see that he says every commandment, not the ones that you like, not your favorite ones like that you like to hear all the time, but every commandment which I command you today, you must be careful to observe. To be careful to observe is no different than the instruction in the subways. Watch the gap. You know how it is, we like to get to the edge of the platform because when the train comes and opens up the door, we want to be able to step in quickly. But some people do not watch the gap. It's a very dangerous thing to be standing on the edge of the platform anyway because we assume that it is safe enough for me to stand at the edge of the platform on a moving train. But the instruction is very clear on certain places where it, it where it's posted, there's there's two dangers. Number one, falling on the tracks and hitting the third rail, or two, getting hit by a moving train. It should be enough to heed the instructions to step all the way back as far as you can, so nobody would push you, or that you would fall accidentally. Most of us are careful to observe these instructions that are on the subway. But we should even be more careful with every commandment which God commanded everyone. We must be careful to observe. To, to observe means to do or make, to accomplish. It's an all-encompassing word. Be careful to do 
You see, the, the, the observing of the commandment is not just in the reading, but it's in the doing. And so we were careful to observe all the faith subjects to do them, but when it comes to personal holiness, when it comes to the lifestyle that we're living, we all come under the assumption that faith would be enough, and that we didn't have to live holy and righteous. But you see, when you're doing what God said in his word, he says, every commandment which I command you today, you must be careful to observe. For what purpose? That you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land of which the Lord swore to your fathers. You shall remember that the Lord your God led you all the, all the way these 40 years in the wilderness. For what purpose? To humble you and test you. To know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. So he humbled you allowed you to hunger. You mean the Lord is allowing me to hunger? Yeah. You know, there's a, there's a question that not only believers, but um, evidently the world always asks, why does the Lord allow this? Well, He allowed it to humble and test you to know what is in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. You see, we got to understand the purpose of chastisement, but we also got to understand the purpose of Paul's thorn in the flesh. You see, Paul was receiving the abundance of revelation. God was showing him the deep portions of scripture, things that were hidden, the hidden mystery. And it would have been very easy for Paul to get puffed up. And so the Lord said, no, I, I can't lose you, Paul. I can't, I can't let you get beyond your measure. And he allowed Satan to buffet him so that way he would not be exalted above measure. Um, that's what happens in our lives on a regular basis. We have our ups, we have our downs, but the purpose of them both is so that way we wouldn't get beyond measure. Verse three, so he humbled you, allowed you to hunger, and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that a man shall not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. 
You see, Jesus understood this. If we go to Matthew chapter 4. Because ultimately, this holds true even today. Now we have to understand the text and the time of which Jesus was ministering. And that he was the last Old Testament prophet. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are the four Gospels. And technically it does begin the New Testament. But Jesus was operating as far as the Old Testament is concerned. Because he hasn't fulfilled the law and he didn't die on the cross. But yet this word, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God, covers not only the old, but also the new. Verse 1 in, Mark, in Matthew chapter 4. Then Jesus led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterward he was hungry. Now when the tempter came to him, he said, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. Because evidently the devil knew that the Spirit of God came upon him because when he was coming up to the Jordan to be baptized, John the Baptist says, Behold the Lamb of God, which take away the sin of the world. And Jesus said, I have need to be baptized. He, Jesus rather, rather had need to be baptized. He didn't say he, he had need to be baptized. And, and, and John the Baptist says, I need to be baptized by you. <laughs> I'm not even worthy to, to even touch your shoelaces. To strap them up. And Jesus says, suffer it for, uh, suffer it, for it to, to be now because I have to fulfill all righteousness. And he was baptized. And the Holy Spirit came upon Jesus. And so at that moment, that's when the devil knew that he was the son of the highest. But even Jesus had to stay disciplined because he could have easily have turned stones into bread because you have to remember that the father created all things by him and so it would have been very easy to say you know what I am hungry and made bread and then he would have violated his conscience let alone the word of God and so he he referred Satan to Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse 3 by saying it is written man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God you know we, we can't put a one size fits all on everybody's situation but we can say that for some people that always used faith all the time, the question that should be asked is, are you obedient to every command of God's word? And that automatically should put you in the position of inventory. You should be checking on the inside whether or not 
you're walking in the commandments of the Lord. The reason why faith doesn't work is perhaps not for it, one size fits all, but if you look at that as the first thing to look at, you will begin to say, let me make sure that I'm walking in the commandments of the Lord. You would do some introspection. You would check on the inside of your heart and say, am I walking right? Am I, am I obedient to his commandments? Am I doing everything right? And perhaps you may very well be. And that's why I refer people to the Paul's thorn in the flesh, because even if you are walking in the commandments of God and something did happen to you that seem out of the ordinary, it could be that God is using that to humble you and to test you, to make sure that your heart stays humble. Because he doesn't want to lose you. Are you living by every word of God that proceeds out of his mouth? So go back to Deuteronomy 8. And again, verse 3. So he humbled you, allowed you to hunger. So when things are allowed, if you're walking into the commandments of God, you can look at it from the perspective that it's a thorn in the flesh. If you're not walking in the commandments of God, every commandment now, then you need to investigate. You need to, to do some inspection on your heart. And if you're not lining up with scripture, then you are to get in line with the scripture. And it doesn't mean that you're going to get out of your situation anytime soon. Sometimes it lingers. Because we all want certain things to end quickly. We want things to end fast. We want to get out from under it. But the Lord allows it to linger. And it's for the purpose of ensuring that you've made a lasting correction. So that way things can be well with you. He allowed you to hunger and fed you with manna from a uh, manna which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that a man shall not live by bread alone, but by but man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. He didn't give you biscuits. He didn't give you wonder bread. He gave you manna, ordinary bread. And it came from heaven. He didn't give you your favorite toast with butter and jelly. He gave you manna from heaven. So in like manna, we are to live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. It's important that we learn how to live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God because when bread is scarce, when things are scarce, then we can trust on the Lord to come through. 
Go to Isaiah chapter 55. And verse 8. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain comes down, and the snow from heaven, and do not return there, but water the earth, and make it bring forth in bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word be with that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. So every word that comes from God, every word that comes from God, every commandment, we are to live by them. And when we go through series of tests, it's for the purpose of humbling us. Again, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, we read that this, these were written for our examples. So it's an example. Go back to Deuteronomy 8, now look at verse 4. Your garments did not wear out on you, nor did your foot swell these 40 years. You should know in your heart that as a, as a man chastens his son, so the Lord your God chastens you. You know, every time that we do transgress the word of God, the Lord allows certain things to come into our lives also as a tool to chasten us. Every now and then we do need to be chastened because when we fail to do certain things, the Lord wants to remind us who he is. And sometimes we do forget who he is in terms of the kind of God that we serve. Because if God didn't love us, he wouldn't chasten us. Go to Hebrews, the 12th chapter. And look at verse 1. Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. To, let, to lay aside means to put it aside. Remember what Paul said? How do we put it aside? Remember what Paul says in Colossians chapter 3 verse 5? That we ought to mortify the deeds of our flesh. It means to put to death. And remember what Jesus said in Mark chapter 8, verse 34. If any man desire to follow me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. That's how we lay aside every weight and the sin. Uh, the activities that we do, some of them can be a weight. The people that we associate with, some of them could be a weight. What is the purpose of, of, of a weight? It is resistance. Like when you're doing in the gym, resistance training, you, you, you use weights to strengthen the limbs. But the weight that this scripture is talking about is an impediment. 
there are some things and some people that are deliberate impediments. You know, I, I've, I've, I've really um, taken the word to a, to a different level, uh, taking myself to a different level of the word, rather, not the word taking. Uh, the, the, word is, is, the, word, the word always takes you to a different level. And, and because we, we go from glory to glory, as the Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. We, 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 we go from glory to glory. So, it take, so the glory of God takes you to different levels. And when you are taken to different levels, there are some people that you need to drop and get rid of because they're, they're, not, they're not, number one, they're not going to go with you there. And number two, they're not supposed to. Especially among preachers. There are certain preacher friends that want you to stay on a certain level. And then they get upset when you, you, you leave, you go on to another level. And all of a sudden, everything breaks loose. What you're trying to do is that you're trying to grow in the Lord and you can't bring people with you, certain people. You can't bring them with you. You have to leave them. It may be upsetting, but in order for you to get where you need to go in the Lord, you gotta get rid of them because they are, they are an impediment. And they want, they want to keep you in a certain place because sometimes some of those Christian friends and preacher friends of yours want to continue to take advantage of you. And the only way that's going to stop is when you leave. It doesn't mean that you become unfriendly. It only means that you don't camp with them. It doesn't mean that you hate them. It only means that you hate where you were with them. And the sin which so easily ensnares us, every one of us have a pet sin. You know, that favorite, favorite one that we go to and until it is crucified, it will be an impediment. So here the writer of Hebrews says, let us lay aside every weight and the sin, which so easily ensnares us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. But see, now notice this. It did not say, let us sprint. It says, let us run with endurance. You see, those who sprint will only fizzle out after a while. You're going all out. But sooner or later, you're going to drop back. But here we are to run with endurance. And you cannot run with endurance when you have a weight on you. 
Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now watch this. You see, we, we look at verse 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. And that's all we concentrate on. But do we equally concentrate on laying aside every weight and the sin that so easily ensnares us? See, that runs right back to the example in Deuteronomy 8. Every commandment which I command you today, you must be careful to observe that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land of which the Lord your God swore to you. God will test you to keep to see if you would keep his commands or not. And that's the whole purpose of let us lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily ensnares us. Because when our faith isn't working, we, we automatically go down the list of what we've been taught by these teachers. And if you're, and if you're diligent, you'll never see in that list about weights and sin. Because weights and sin is so offensive. Because we don't want to teach people what's offensive. We, we want to keep them happy in their seats. So we'll just give them a whole lot of this stuff and leave out that stuff. But it's a missing link. Obedience is a missing link. To observe his commands is a missing link. So, so look at the pattern in verse 2. It says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. In other words, he passed the test. He despised the shame, the shame of them putting on him. Remember that the chastisement of our peace was upon him in Isaiah 50, 53. He endured the cross, despised the shame, and look at the reward. He sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So when you lay aside every sin, every weight and the sin that does so easily ensnare us, when you crucify yourself, just as what Christ said in Mark chapter 8 and verse 34, you despise the shame just as equally as Jesus did. There's a reward. Look at verse 3 in Hebrews chapter 12. For consider him who endured such hostility for sinners against himself. Lest you become weary and discouraged in your soul. In other words, look at what Jesus went through. Look at how people put him through. Consider the hostility of sinners against himself. Lest you become weary and discouraged, discouraged in your souls. For years I've, I've wondered what this verse meant in verse 4. I, for years and then, then all of a sudden it, it dawned on me what it really meant. When 
the Lord was delivering me out of, out of pornography, when he was delivering me from that and showing me. He, he's, th this really sunk in. You have not resisted to bloodshed striving against sin. In other words, you have not shed your own blood to stop sinning. <laughs> Jesus made mention of shedding blood in Matthew chapter 4. Uh, Matthew chapter 5. Go to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. And look at verse 27. You have heard that it was said, of, uh, uh, said to those of old, you shall not commit adultery. Now isn't that one of the commandments in, in Exodus chapter 20? But I say to you that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Now watch what Jesus says here. Verse 29. If your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out and cast it from you. For it is more profitable for you that one of your members, should, one of your members perish than for your whole body to be cast into hell. You see, that's what verse 4 in Hebrews chapter 12 meant. You have, not re you have not yet resisted to bloodshed striving against sin. So what is Jesus telling us here? You know, at first I said, you know, Jesus is only talking about this in a symbolic way. Uh, and then you just hear the scripture say what Jesus said and meant. Oh, he didn't mean that. Yes, he did. How many of you know that Jesus doesn't play? He meant it. He's not playing games with this because he knows that sin will take you straight to hell. He's serious about this. Oh, you can't be serious, pastor. Well, when are you going to take for face value what he said already in his word. You see, the interpretation of the word of God is not left up to our imagination. The interpretation is already in the word. Interpretation is already in the word. Jesus is not giving us a word here to guess what he meant. It's given to us to know what he meant. You read verse 4, and in the imagination of your heart, oh, he didn't really mean bloodshed. Yes, he did. He meant it. Because it's better for you to have one hand than to have two hands in sin in hell. Now, now, Pastor, you, I've lost you. Well, good. I'm glad that you, you lost me, but you can't lose his word. You can't, you can't use your imagination to, to try to get out of what Jesus said in his word. And besides, it's his word, not mine. If your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. And cast it from you. 
for it is more profitable for you that one of your members perish than for your whole body to be cast into hell. Well, you'll probably say, well, didn't Jesus say in John chapter 6 and verse 63, uh, the, the, the flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. Absolutely. But Jesus was speaking about his flesh. My body is not enough for you to split up and save you. What I'm telling you about my body is spiritual. But here... Jesus isn't talking spiritual and he isn't talking about his body. He is talking about you preventing sin in your body. Well, I'm going to put that on the shelf. You're entitled to. You're entitled to put it on the shelf. But if your right hand hasn't, hasn't been stopping from sin lately, don't let it be the hand that you could have cut off to get into heaven. And those two hands are with you in hell. He goes on and say in verse 30, And if your right hand causes you to, to sin, cut it off and cast it from you. For it is more profitable for you that one of your members perish than for your whole body to be cast into hell. Go back to Deuteronomy chapter 8. What extreme thing are you willing to do? Ooh, I need to go back to Hebrews. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Hebrews, Hebrews, because um, we're on the chastisement. I'm sorry. Uh, the chastisement part. Uh, go back to Hebrews chapter 12. Look at verse 5 now. And you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as to sons. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. Huh. The, the, the chastening of the Lord is there for a reason. If, if the Lord didn't love you, he sure enough wouldn't chasten you. He wouldn't allow you to be humbled. He wouldn't allow you to hunger if he didn't love you. So that way you can check yourself to make sure that you're in him the correct way. And never assume based on pride. Because whenever I hear people start using faith and they've never done an, uh, an inspection on their heart, and they wonder why certain things are shut off, and things are not happening well, well, the first thing that you should do is that, is the Lord chastening me? Am I walking in his commandments? Am I careful to observe every command that the Lord has given? It's an example. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord. Don't despise it. To despise means to have little regard. To care little for. To regard lightly. To make a small account or a small deal out of what the Lord is doing to you. 
in allowing you to hunger and allowing you to do without and allowing you to long for certain things so that way you can learn that man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. God, I know that you're a provider. God, I know that you're a healer. God, I know that you're a savior first of all. I know that you do all these things, but Lord, I need to check my heart because I wanna make sure that I am humble before you. And don't do it in front of people. Don't do it in a crowd. Close the door behind you and check your heart. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? But if you are without chastening, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. We all are wondering what in the world is going on out there in the world. Why is it that we're experiencing all of these things? And folks, I'm here to tell you, it's not about politics. <laughs> uh, good old politics. Well, if Trump were in office, we wouldn't be going down this path. If so-and-so were in office, we wouldn't be dealing with all this stuff. If only we go back to the policies of Trump, we can, we can get back to living life as normal. No, 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 no. See, you're missing something here. You're missing something here. It's called chastening. <laughs> it's called chastening for the body of Christ. But we just go on like it's no chastening at all. Ain't nothing really happening. We just need to vote the right people into office. See, if we would have voted these people in, we wouldn't be experiencing these things. And God knew very well. So guess what? He brought in the Biden crew. <laughs> and boy, are we getting chastened. Uh, uh, hold your place in Hebrews because we're not finished reading there. Go to, go to Proverbs uh, 13. Proverbs 13, look at verse 24. He who spares his rod hates his son. Now we all know, how, we, we say it like this, spare the rod, spoil the child, but that's not what this verse says. Now does it? It doesn't say that. It didn't say spare the rod, spoil the child. I know what you're trying to do. You're trying to soften the blow of the scriptures. And that's what we do. We have a nasty habit of softening the blow of the scriptures. The whole purpose of the scriptures is to reveal truth whether you like it or not. Whether you agree with it or not. God doesn't care about your emotions. He cares about your heart being right. He who spares his rod hates his son. So God is not going to spare the rod because he doesn't hate us. He loves us. So he gives us the rod. 
Well, why in the world is it, does it cost so much? It, it, things cost so much, things cost so much that there's no baby formula on the shelves. And then, and then, and then, and then you look at it and say, let's think about this. No, no, no baby formula on the shelves. I wonder why. Well, you got abortion going on. You see, they all thought that they would start some trouble by releasing a draft of the majority opinion of Alito and figure that they can start some trouble. And all, then all of a sudden, baby formula is gone off the shelves. I can't feed my baby. What are they going to do? And then, and then you take it to another level. Well, since you people believe, since you people believe that men can give birth, since you believe that men can menstruate, well then you can believe that men can breastfeed. If you want some, bre you want some breast milk, ask a man. Mm-hmm. So the Lord chastens his, his, his sons. But he who loves him disciplines him how? Promptly. So, so the Lord, just like in the natural, the Lord disciplines us promptly. I mean, he doesn't, the Lord doesn't let anything slide. He brings it to our attention and then we have to deal with it in the scriptures. We come to repentance. We change our minds, our ways, our attitudes. We don't despise the chastening of the Lord. We, we allow it to come in because God, you're working Christ in me so that way I can conform to his image. That's the whole purpose. But then there's always those prodigals. Those prodigals that figure that they can go out and live it up, and then God sends a famine. You know, I used to call it the devil. The devil is the one doing this. No, 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 no. It's the Lord that did this. And why is he doing that? To humble you. To see if you would walk in his commandments in all of his ways. The pattern is the same. Just because you are in Christ doesn't mean that the pattern hasn't changed. And that's another false assumption about faith. Now that you're a New Testament believer, all the things that are in the Old Testament doesn't apply. Wait a minute. The pattern still applies. When you disobey God's word, he's going to bring chastening. He doesn't care if you're in Christ. You're, you're his son, so guess what? It comes promptly too. So spare the rod, spoil the child is not in the word. Forget that. Drop it like a hot rod. Go to Proverbs 22 and look at verse 15. Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. The rod of correction will drive it far from him. Yes, all those times that... Mama and daddy used that rod. Well, guess what it did? <laughs> it 
drive it drives foolishness far from me. It drives foolishness far from us. Go to Proverbs 23. Look at verse 13. Parents, do not withhold correction from your child. That's what the scripture says here. Do not withhold corrupt correction from a child. For if you beat him with a rod, he will not die. Oh, that's assault. You're just hurting your child. That's right. I do not want to get on, get an Uber and go to Rikers. I do not want to get an Uber and go to the cemetery. I want to get my Uber and see that my child that I raised is living right, doing right, raising their children right. I, I, I don't want to go visit the, the jailhouse or the cemetery. You shall beat him with a rod and deliver his soul from hell. And deliver his soul from where? Hell. I want to see my child in heaven with me. So parents, do your due diligence. We're not talking about assaulting your child. We're not talking about abusing your child. We're talking about when you know your child did wrong. See, a lot of you that have taught in the education system wished that, that, that those parents would have taken care of Johnny in the corner. Because there's a lot of Johnnies that didn't get their rod. And now, instead of giving them, telling the parents to discipline their child at home so that when they, when they come to school, they're not a problem, now they want to indoctrinate your children to be homosexuals, to be pedophiles and perverts. And guess what? If you don't do the disciplining, they will end up in hell. Let alone the fact that you got to give them the gospel too. I mean, that's, that's part of the course. Go back to Hebrews chapter 12. All right, so... Verse 7, if you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? But if you are without chastening, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. Furthermore, we, we have had human fathers who corrected us, and we paid, a, we paid them respect. Shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the Father of spirits and live? Now, I've taught the fact that God doesn't chasten our physical man, but he chastens our spirit man. But wait a minute. Now we have to put it in the perspective of the fact that God uses physical means or physical events as if he is beating us with a rod to get us to walk back in line with the scriptures. For they indeed for a few days chasten us as seemed best to them. But he for our profit that we may be partakers of his holiness. 
Now no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterwards, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. How many of you can remember when mama beat you that those whelps stayed in you for a few days? But afterwards, it heals. And that's what God is all about. Yes, he will inflict the pain, but he will also give you the healing. Now, go back to uh, Deuteronomy 8, and this is where we'll close. Deuteronomy 8. Here in, in, in Deuteronomy 8, So, so, so now, verse 5 again. You should know in your heart that as a man chastens his son, so the Lord, God, Lord your God chastens you. Therefore you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God to walk in his ways and to fear him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a land, into a good land, a land of brooks, of water, of fountains and springs that flow out of the valleys and hills. God wants to bring you into a place of blessing, but only if you choose to obey him. Thanks for watching our ministry on Prevailing Word Live on our YouTube channel. This is the Minister's Crucible on the Prevailing Word Podcast channel as well. I'm Fred Rochester. Thanks for listening. Thank you.